You are listening to the Grand Central Sports Podcast, covering New York sports and beyond. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Grand Central Sports. My name is Andrew Van Cure, and I'm alongside, of course, Ricky Valerio and Gavin O'Grady. Tonight, boys, how are we? Doing great tonight. Doing, yeah. wonder- doing wonderful, AVC. Feeling yeah, great. How are your Rangers doing, buddy? Uh, t- tremendous win tonight, um, and we'll get into it more, but I'm very happy, to say the least. I will start by saying this. This team is single-handedly taking years off my life. I will, I will say that now due to stress. This team is taking years off my life. Uh, they're definitely fun to watch, though. I, I like watching them, so there's All that. Right. Gav, you want to start us off by uh, talking about that Columbus game first? Of, of course. So, uh, most recently, the Rangers played yesterday, which is Saturday night, against the Columbus Blue Jackets on the road. Um, and let me tell you something. This was a great game for a lot of reasons. A lot of um, – they got back to what they knew how to do best, um, work together. And second of all, they, they shot the puck a whole lot more, 41 shots on net. Um, that was one of the things that their coach emphasized, and they certainly did it. And that resulted in our boys, Panarin. Panarin had two goals. Kreider scored in the power play again. Ricky loves texting me about Kreider and how he's an absolute <laughs> machine on the power play. Yeah, And – um, the youngsters, our boys Lafreniere and Kako. The youngings. Uh, uh, they were blanked last night, but responded big tonight. We'll go into that more. But um, the last thing that we had to say probably about Columbus, is, you know, to close out that is the scare, uh, the injury scare of Igor Shosturkin. Yeah. Um, now, I heard that he was actually just taken off the ice to be precautious, um, that he was available for backup tonight as you saw him on the bench. Um, it was yes. just a scare. Um, and yeah, I, obviously when you see your, your guy go down like that, it's pretty scary. He's been the, the guy that's really carried this team. And yeah, I mean, I was pretty scared. I, I immediately, I was just like, here we go again. This is, you know, typical Rangers, but, um, yeah, it's not the case. Don't worry. Um, but hell of a win in Columbus. Anyone else have any thoughts? On that. Uh, definitely with the whole Shesterkin thing, a bit of a scare. Um, I think it was definitely clear that he wasn't really hurt when they didn't uh, even think about calling up another goaltender for tonight. Um, or I hadn't even heard anything about another goaltender coming in. So should he should be fine, hopefully. He might take another game or so, maybe if it's anything. But if not, we could see him back um, the next game, yeah. which is, I believe, Montreal on Tuesday. Yeah, they take on the Habs. Right, cool. So, so he should be he should be fine for that one. Um, nothing much to say about really the game uh, against Columbus. Uh, one thing I will point out, actually, uh, for the offense, and I think this was huge. It was one of the first times where I saw a winning faceoff percentage for the Rangers. Oh, yeah, had You're been right. an issue all season. That that had been one of my biggest. It's been Rangers team. You're 100. percent it's been an issue actually the last probably two or three seasons. And Definitely. that, um, you know, they, they went out and got Barclay Goodrow and they signed them to quite a hefty contract, not in terms of um, the amount, the annual, you know, the AAV, yeah, it's more but term. in terms of term, yeah, six years, is a lot for a third line center, yeah, um, but, but the guy's a winner, contract. but the guys, yeah, I know, but the guy's a winner. He's won two Stanley cups and they wanted to bring in a guy like that who's, you know, he plays the game two ways. He can score a little bit, but he can also, you know, get back on defense. He's a fantastic guy to draw at the face-off circle. It's, he's great at taking draws. And, um, yeah, no. So, 
but yeah, Andrew, you know, you're right. That's pretty encouraging yeah. to see, especially. Yeah, Barclay Goodrow is a very solid uh, middle sixer, definitely an elite bottom six guy to have. Yes. Uh, I was very hyped about that signing. It just was – it was a little steep, and it was a the little ter- – The term got me a little bit. Yeah I, I, uh, yeah, I honestly wanted Blake Coleman but at the time. Yeah. But yeah. Barclay I know. was a fine consolation. It is, you know, and it's worked out so far, as we can see. Yes. Um, he, he looks great. I mean, you don't get named an alternate captain – for only being there not even a season in your first yeah. season without even you're, and you're 100 percent right doing something right and with that being said the rangers took on the devils tonight from msg and let me tell you something this was an absolute barn burner oh um, my god you know this was a game where obviously the devil struck first and we kind of we kind of hit back in the middle period but yep. we from there we we gave up actually two one goalies we gave up a lead late in third which is always you know discouraging to see but it was, you know, it took overtime. It took a shootout. And let me tell you something, the overtime was unbelievable. The shootout was even better. That was just one of the most skillful um, shootouts that I've seen in the NHL this season, actually. Both teams, but especially, obviously, you know, we're Rangers guys. Our guys were terrific. Some of the nastiest goals. Oh, yeah. Um, but they played well tonight. Uh, Georgiev played well tonight. Dude, and- I think I'm going to give Georgiev save of the year. Early candidate on that. Shootout. I know with the give shootout. The credit, save. Give him the credit now because I'm gonna rip him in a minute. Yeah, he was getting destroyed five hole in the shootout, and he like he like he went to it early, and he knew he was beat, and he was like, "Shit, I got beat," and he just kicked up that right leg, dude. That was insane. dude. That was unbelievable. And I at he just first, went, I'm not getting beat five hole again, dude. Yeah. I I actually thought the puck hit the post at first because I was like, "There's no way he got that skate up there," <laughs> but I would once they showed the replay, you saw it, dude. It was unbelievable. Yep. Get that leg up there. But, but and more importantly, tonight we saw something that we hadn't seen from Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, especially. They put Caco, especially. Scored, yeah. scored two big goals. Um, Caco had the goal in the shootout and the goal, obviously, in regulation. That strong move to the net. Um, to see those guys score was actually probably the happiest part of the night now that we won. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely, definitely those guys contributing. But yeah, no, what a win. Do you uh, think Shaco would have went that early in the shootout if he didn't have his first two points of the season tonight? Like, was he yes. definitely still going? He, yes. he has he has a pair of mitts on him. I mean, he really <laughs> does. These young guys, I know, like, they haven't been getting going early in terms of point production, but they're still really skilled guys. Um, I wish Lafreniere would score in the shootout, too, just to prove a point. But um, these guys have lots of skill. And they were saying, like, how come it took this long for, you know, for this guy to score with those freaking hands, like, you know, it just takes Man. it takes PT but, hey, and it takes time to stick. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, that was the thing. The young guys never really yeah. had a uh, a confirmed line, and just uh, three players I want to shout out, especially even before the shootout in overtime: Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin, and Ryan Strom. I believe. Yeah, was it Strom a two a minute, minute, two minute, like twenty second shift? Unbelievable! They looked like zombies getting the off the ice. They oh looked my like zombies. God. And I'll tell you what, I think that, Andrew, you bring up – that's an excellent point to bring up, especially um, because it's going to get overlooked, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, with the, the shootout move and everything. But that shift, they did it. And obviously, oh, you know, it was a long shift. You can't stay out there that long. But those guys kept them to the outside the entire time. Not a lot of shots got through. I don't think keep New in Jersey mind. actually – I think New Jersey maybe got one shot off that whole yeah, shift. that whole shift. And, like, granted, yeah, it's puck possession, but, like, if you're going to do anything with the puck, what does that all that skating around really even do? Nothing. So That was, that was great. It, it, right, you know, so 
what that's a shift that's definitely gonna get overlooked but i agree a hell of a shift um a great and, uh, win and something with, for the yeah. yeah sticking with bread Whew. how about a clutch shot that's the shot the shot he made in that shootout that he needed to make to keep it going far down on jonathan bernier that that's the shot you pay him the money for that's when that's that's the guy. You need it's the nastiest. It's shot. the guy is so nasty, and I always say this. Uh, I don't know if Ranger fans out there will, you know, will agree with me. We've had some great teams in the past: uh, 14, 15 teams, uh, 16, 17. You know, like those teams where they went to the Cup. But let me tell you something: the New York Rangers have never, since we've been alive, really had a person or a player be this skilled on their team, a superstar. Absolutely like this guy they really hadn't the they've had closest i would say would be probably who rick nash yeah, i would say prime. i would say yarmir yager i would say yarmir yager and that was in 2006 because yeah. he, he he put up 50 he had 54 yeah. goals that year yeah, yager. um but since really i've been like oh my god he's the, he's the best player he's i've so, seen in a ranger uniform he's uh, so wow. nasty right how nasty is he he's, he's just like I mean, every goal against Columbus. Yeah. I don't know if it was his first goal to tie the game or when they took the lead, like when they scored all those goals in like a minute. Yeah. But the way he buried that goal, top left, like, like dude, like, you can't like, say not many people can do that. Not many yeah, that was, you're right. That was the one to take the lead, the second one of his. But yeah. he, the guy's unbelievable. Like he really is yeah. a true superstar. And like I pre- that's why I love. Well, I think like when he was hurt for an extended period of time last season. It just yeah, makes the game the so whole, much more or uh, less fun to watch. I love the watching. whole Russian thing. Like, it's just – it's great to see him finally He's, fully dude, back yeah. on the ice. He's scoring, yep. With that being said, the Rangers are going to take on the Canadians Tuesday night from the Garden. So, uh, now we'll move on to the Islanders. Yeah. Um, ooh, where, to, where to begin with this? Well, you can not a fun, not a fun, not a fun loss good. to uh, not a fun loss to Jersey if you're an Isles fan. Um, they I got will killed. Say, you know, they got killed. Yeah, if you look, the box score I think in this game is actually deceiving in that it makes the Isles look better than they actually did in this game. I don't think you can make four nothing look good for anybody. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying that 42 shots on net, That's and, I, I, mean, and, I under, yeah. and I understand. But for most facets, facets of the game, they were outplayed thoroughly. There's also a way to look at it that you got 42 shots on net and still couldn't capitalize. Yeah, you know? 42 it, shots on net, you won the power play percentage. And you had, yeah, you had three power plays. Like You went you over know. three on all power plays. That's just – that can't happen. That, that's a game you need to win. And I'll tell you what, you, the, you know, we have a note. The record, they're 5-4-2 and two to start, you know, at this year off and in the bottom of the Metro. Is it concerning? Um. I'm going to go with a no for right now. Um, they haven't been playing really particularly well, but I'll tell you what, the Metropolitan Division is probably the best in hockey right now. Absolutely uh, they, is. Based off looking at everyone's records and just like the teams that are in that division, 5-4-2, and two, you're doing pretty well in most other divisions. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, doing, you're doing all right. But um, the Islanders, knowing them, they'll – They'll come together at a point. I think they're going to be fine. Personally, I, I have them getting to the playoffs this it's, year. Evans. Yeah, it's it's still really early. I have them. I, I, I have them fighting with the Rangers to get in. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hit the panic button yet if you're the Isles, because um, I expect some of the teams in the Metro that have been off to a uh, 
that have been off to a bit of a hot start to kind of fall off a little bit. Obviously, Columbus is probably going to fall off. And I think New Jersey I would expect falls Jersey, off. I would definitely yeah. expect Jersey to fall off a bit. And um, yeah, I'm, and now yeah. for, for the Islanders, it's going to be important these next two games. So they're in Tampa Bay Monday night. Um, and then they're back-to-back nights in Tampa, and then they travel over across Florida to Sunrise to play the Panthers. Two top five teams in the league, in my mind, on back-to-back nights on the road. That is very challenging. Very, very challenging. They you quickly and go then that Saturday, the you got, And then that Saturday, you have Calgary. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Three straight games against potential cup-contending teams. They could be very, very easily going from five, four, and two to you know not being concerned, sitting at the bottom of the division to within a week being five, seven, and two, sitting at the bottom of the division. You know, which hope, yeah, I hope they can scrap together a point or a win in an OTL, you know, whatever. But that's going to be three tough games, you know, especially back to back nights in Florida. Those are going to be some battle tested games down there. Now it's a big thing if yeah. you're a team in the Metro, you have to be able to win the games outside of the division because you know the division is going to be a bloodbath. It really sometimes, I think, in order to get to the top of the division, you got to be that team that excels against the other teams outside of it. I 100% agree. But for the Islanders, I'll tell you what, they're a good team. Um, and they're a team really that can handle a back to back like this. Um, their goaltending deal, uh, I would say, ranks probably among the top three or four in the league. Uh, Sorokin's Sorokin, the backup is unbelievable. He's similar esque of a Shesterkin, and then their starter, Semyon Varlamov, um, he's terrific. And yeah. those two guys, you know, I, if you, if those are the two goalies you have going each night, it, you're gonna you're gonna be fine. You know, if, yeah. as long as your team plays well enough in front of you, can convert on basic opportunities, you're gonna be fine. Play hard. Um, I think they'll be fine, and ultimately. You know, you know, it's a tough stretch, but I think, uh, they just got a bunker down. Yeah, bottom I think, line. I think the Isles uh, subject is best reserved for our next show. If we come back on maybe like Thursday and they're zero and two in this stretch, yes. Ooh, we uh, then we might have to have a discussion about hitting the panic button. Then it might be time to get a little worried. I agree. I agree. And uh, before we move on, I just wanted to circle back to one thing that we kind of glossed over uh, on the Rangers uh, on the Rangers game. I despise PK Subban. Oh, God. Uh, just now looking at the replay again. I now this one clearly wasn't as blatant as some of the others. Other ones. It almost. But like- I will tell you what: it is still concerning when the guy goes into a corner like that, and he still, even if he didn't get him all the way, like he's done in the he's past, to, yeah. is is still sticking his leg out like that. You're asking for trouble doing that, especially the way these guys are um, usually where their legs are turned towards the yeah. boards like that. You're asking for trouble, and I'm not surprised. Injury, but... I'm not surprised by you know. Sub- I think Subban's a piece of piece of crap. I really do. I agree. I, yeah. I've never liked him. I've never liked Subban. No. Um, but Ever since Montreal, there realistically probably nothing will happen. And uh, hopefully, and listen, we got the win tonight, so let's hope Blay. You know, Blay. I think all right. uh, the one thing I'd say to Subban is uh, make sure you keep your head up. Uh, next game because this game was a little bit too close for any sort of real. I mean, yeah, it's especially if the I, Rangers uh, go up man. big or even go down big next time we play the Devils. I would. Ex- I'm I would ex- sure. I'd, be, I'd watch out first shift. 
Yeah. I, I watch out for Ryan Reeves because you're yeah. probably gonna get your bell rung. Hundred percent. That might but take just, a few months to get though. I'm pretty sure we don't we don't meet them again then for like three months till March, I think I believe. Really? We don't play right. the Devils for another three months. But uh, but in gonna... sports, you don't forget. You don't forget. Don't forget. Oh, you're hundred percent right. But that's uh, that's crazy. You don't meet till March. That means they play each other. That, that's I believe now. what they were yeah. saying earlier on the um tonight on MSG. Yep. That's crazy. And just that's one crazy. Thing, one last thing is the forgotten thing. We're all yelling at Subban. Poor Sammy Blay, man. He was off to such a nice start to the season. Yeah, and 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 he's not a guy. Listen, I get we traded Butchnevich, and I was pretty critical of the trade in the offseason about yeah. it. But for the player that came over, we didn't really know much about Sammy Blay. I knew a little bit about him. I knew he was, he was a pretty good player, but now watching him, I love the way he plays, the way he hits, the way he controls the puck. He could pass. He's got a little bit of finesse in him. Um I love the way he plays simply. I hope he's back soon. He's a great, uh, great little player for him. plays important minutes. He gets back um, on the back check. That, and that's important too. You know, it's not all about scoring t- for, for the most part. So. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the Rangers goal this uh, off season was clear to bring in guys with grit and puck possession skills. And they yeah. accomplished that. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Before we start to uh, ramble too much, let us move on from hockey to the gridiron. Ricky, I think I will let you take this one uh, with your New York Jets. The <clears throat> legend of Mike White. Before now, nah, before we even get into Mike White, I just have a question for both of you as, you know, football fans. You guys know a lot about football. Um, was Rob Sala a defensive coordinator? Uh, you wouldn't be able to tell by the way the that, defense plays, but yeah, yes. That, that's that's was... what I'm getting at here. That's what I'm getting at here. <laughs> 178 Ooh. points have been given up in four games by this defense. They're averaging over 44 points a game. They finally got their first interception, but you have one interception and it took you, what, seven, no, nine games to get it, eight games to get it. You're giving up 45 points a week to Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz and, and Mac Jones, who I, I'm just not bought on Mac Jones at all. I, I, I am absent today. I, I'm still not. I don't care. One game, one game doesn't do anything. Look at Mike White. <laughs> look at that like where are we now at mike white i mean oh, i'll give props to mac jones he's not having a he's obviously doing good he's probably in the running for rookie of the year but i just i just don't like him i think it's just a lot of check downs just easy passes made by belichick i mean give right, the props if, to if belichick there for that his, uh, if, if, if that's his deal you can't get too mad at him for taking advantage of the scheme scheme it up better for your rookie don't have your rookie try to gunsling all game oh no 100 percent. that's just why i hate that's the patriots because you're yeah. just Belichick's just better at everything than the Jets. I mean, obviously he's scheming things right for Pey- for the um, Mac Jones to beat the Browns by what six to five touchdowns, something like yeah. that. And uh, stay tuned for Thursday, the Gambling Corner. We were not oh, so hot no. this week, but we'll get into that next week. Well, not yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough week. Next week, wacky games. But um, I think the most important thing with the Jets now is obviously we had our fun with Mike White. He threw four interceptions today. I mean, four interceptions is never a good thing. But honestly, I don't think he was all the problem here. He was under duress the entire game. Absolutely. He, he, he had like three seconds or less to throw every single play. They couldn't get a run game going. He was, he was under pressure. I, I couldn't even tell you if Corey Davis or Elijah Moore were on the field. I think I saw them a couple times getting a catch. I mean, it was just, it was just an all-around terrible performance. It just really makes me question my fandom sometimes. Uh, I don't know how I still do it. Ricky, it's could, just, Ricky could always be worse. Just remember that. It, it could always be worse, you know, but I, I, it's funny you say that. I was texting my cousin earlier. 
and uh, he's a Lions fan. So that's your oh. example of how it could be worse. Oh. So I texted him and I was, uh, I'll pull up what I said to him. It was actually quite funny. So um, I texted him, I guess that's better than a loss, right? And he was, uh, he was pretty upset about it, how, you know, defense played great and whatnot. And I was like, hey, at least you didn't get blown out. The Jets stink too. And he was like, yeah, well, at least you have two wins. And I, and I took that one and I was like, you know what? You got a point. But yeah, getting, but, back, um, to, uh, getting back to the Jets, is Salah's defensive thing more of an issue that's being brushed over? Because I don't, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Every, all the emphasis always seems to be on the offense. Meanwhile, you look yeah. at this defense. We'll, we'll take today, for instance. You allow two 100-plus yard receivers in Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs. You allow Josh Allen to regain his MVP status. And you let Matt Breida flash back to, like, 2016 for, like, five plays. I, I mean, I, this when you when you look at Salah, when you look at Salah in San Fran, though, he had guys like Nick Bosa and he had guys like Richard Sherman on the corner. Like it's yeah. the Jets don't have that. We have Quinn and Williams, who's a great run stuffer, but he's not like a pass. He's not an edge rusher. No. We have CJ Mosley, who's good up the middle. But how much can he really do? One guy can't run a defense. You know, I think the problem starts on the D-line when you're not getting pressure off the edges. Uh, I, they got nobody there. Obviously, they just signed um, JFK, John Franklin Myers, or JFM, <laughs> John Franklin Myers, to um, a four-year deal. You know, yeah. got a decent deal. But it's not like he's, uh, you know, prayers to Chase Young, but it's not like he's Chase Young coming off yeah. the edge. You know, this young, insane talent. I think that's what we need to do. I think you know, the, way to, the way to hide – how bad your secondary is, is with a good pass good rush. Pass rush. Yeah, look at the and you can't do that when your pass rush is not good, which yeah. it's not. So a guy like Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs as his receiver, is going to be able to pick apart that lousy secondary because there's no pass rush. Absolutely. You know, and the one, one other thing is I have a comparison here for you, Ricky, uh, with another defensive coordinator who came in as the head coach of a team with a not so great, uh, talented defense. And we kept expecting big things from, but never really got there. And that was Dan Quinn with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, another guy came from a defense in Seattle. He came from the LO, from the Legion of Boom with all that talent. Then he comes to Atlanta and he tries to rebuild this, uh, this defense with his style of guys. And it just never really was the same. You got to wonder sometimes with these D coordinators who come from these teams with this like massive amount of talent on defense, they then come into this other market where they don't have that roster and their schemes slightly get exposed. Like you wonder, is that why so many teams just don't bother with defensive coordinator head coaches anymore? Why they always look towards the offensive guys. Well, I think this is a case where we're not going to, we're going to see a couple of seasons out of this. I think we get at least two. I think we get a third. I know. I think they want this guy here. I think they like this guy. And I think they like what he brings to the table. Right. And what we saw with Mike LaFleur, is it Mike or Matt? I honestly don't even remember. Matt. No, I no, wait, no, which no, one no, Matt, no, Matt, Matt, it's, Matt, Mike. It's, it's Mike. It's Mike. It's Mike. Matt, Matt is on Matt the Packers, Lafleur, right? Matt's the Packers, yeah. Okay, I get so confused with the names, right? So what we saw in that game against Cincinnati with Mike Lafleur, the play calling, he actually, you know, he was calling plays to help out his quarterback. You know, not doing anything flashy, and you know, something that we should really talk about is, you know, Zach Wilson's most likely going to be back this week, I would assume. So. If Mike LaFleur is going to be calling these plays, this is a guy that Salah brought over with him, right? So if they can figure out Wilson, that means that, you know, Salah's got the offensive side done with his buddy Mike. 
right? Or Matt, whatever. Still don't know. <laughs> Mike. So now the question is, my biggest concern is, what do you think Sal is going to go out and do? Is he going to go out and spend money on an O-lineman? Because you know Joe Douglas loves his O-lineman. Or are they going to go out and spend money on a pass rusher? I think Sal is going to go to management and say, I need an all-star pass rusher and I need a lockdown corner. You know, I think Sal is going to put all he can into this defense this offseason. Not all he can. You know, they can only do so much. But I think they're going to have a decent amount of cap. Right. They're going to be picking top five. You know, they're going to – hopefully they can get that guy, Thibodeau, or somebody of yep. his caliber, which obviously is not like there's many guys, him just floating around the draft. But I think that next year – or, you know, there's still time left this year, but there's nothing you can do now. You're not, you're not going to go out and sign somebody. It's the middle of the season. Here's my thing here, Rick. I uh, I think they go the other way. I think they attack O-line in free agency, and I think they attack defense in the draft. Here's the thing. You have Carl Lawson coming back next year, who I've That's, been, yeah, that I was have been critical of, but you signed him to a big contract. You obviously liked what he brought to the table. He was a standout in training camp. He has history of being a productive edge rusher. And there's more defensive talent at the top of this draft where they'll be picking than there will be uh, linemen. This is a good right. cornerback class. There are some quality edge rushers, whether it's Kayvon Thibodeau, whether it's Zach Harrison, whether it's George Karafalaftis, whether it's Ian Hutchinson. You get my point. Uh, there was a lot of defensive talent in this draft class. And I think uh, I've always thought that the uh, free agency is more for overhauling your offense. Just because I think you get okay. more flexibility with defensive players in the draft. Uh, you get them younger. They, it's easier for them to buy into your system. I think it's harder to find quality defensive players in your draft, especially at bases like edge rusher and corner, which are so situational to who you have around you. I mean, um, you got guys like, I forget who the Eagles signed a few years ago, but they brought in like, or I'll, more recent example, Josh Norman. You know, he had that great year in Carolina. Then they signed him to a massive contract in Washington. Turns out when he goes to a new scheme, he doesn't fit the mold anymore, and he turns into Swiss cheese. So you have to be careful when you attack big defensive players, whereas grabbing like a weapon for Wilson or another old lineman might not be the worst thing in the world. You have Mekhi Becton coming back at some point, too. I think the Jets will be better in the next upcoming years, but they do have to start uh, being smart with who they uh, – they have more off seasons like they had this last one. I think they'll be fine in a few years. Mm -hmm. And a huge win from Green Bay for us. You know, another Seattle loss. Seattle moves to three and six. Yeah. And why that's so big for whoever doesn't know is we got that pick from the Jamal trade. Uh, that pick turned into AVT. And who knows what that will turn into now. But as of right now, obviously. Jamal Adams did have his first interception, though. He actually yeah, caught an interception. Guess, uh, you know, how many years did that take? Three Blitz years? Boy, uh, three, I believe. Blitzboy finally got I, an interception. I was so upset when that trade happened, but I never thought I'd be this happy a year and a half later with it. But, um. As of right now, we're sitting – we'd have picks three and seven. That's, that, I mean, I know yeah. Seattle's not going to finish that low, in my opinion. I think we'll have probably around picking about 15 maybe. Will, Russell gonna, Wilson keeps looking like that. He did not look healthy tonight. Well, he probably shouldn't have been playing tonight. Probably but, shouldn't have, but they're getting you know, desperate. Jets have a – I don't want to say an easy schedule because teams, when they look at us, they say, oh, we got the Jets. It's an easy game. So, But we do have these next five games. It's not, you know – high caliber teams we got yeah. miami twice we got houston we got jacksonville i think there's one game like one tough game in that stretch i don't know who it is but out of those five games i'm just worried that the jets are gonna like pull something and win like three of them and then this now is where the true art of, of mastering the tank bowl comes into play or will you yeah. be a master of the tank bowl and strategically lose these games to get those higher picks when you have these bad team versus bad team matchups that's when they truly come in and you're like, okay, 
who we yeah you want to get that win but the ultimate prize lies in april right and it's just like i said earlier in one of our other episodes it's so hard and it's so annoying and gav you you feel this pain too rooting for a draft pick and it's it like, sucks I, every week <laughs> i don't want to root for a draft, draft pick. pick i want to see yeah. wilson do good assuming he suits up this week but i'll tell you what like, thank god for the yankees him, like, Thank God for the Yankees because otherwise almost every other team we've talked about for the last few years have been rooting for draft picks. Yeah, no, you're right. So, uh, Gavin, any thoughts on the Jets before we uh, move to the Giants? Um, not much. I today, today, I don't know if it was expected today. I thought they'd come back looking a little bit better with Mike White, but um, not much. They play the Dolphins next Sunday. That's a winnable game. That is a game they should probably be competitive in and probably should probably be able to win. And not, though. Uh, yeah, so which is obviously <laughs> sad, like we're talking about. But um, in terms of that, in terms of football, we don't have much. The Giants are coming off their bye week this week. They play next Monday night in Tampa Bay against the um, the defending Super Bowl champions, the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers lost today to the Washington football team. They've actually lost two consecutive games. Yeah. The Giants going on the road. I actually hate this. I think the Buccaneers are going to blow us out. Oh, God. I, I think Tom Brady's pissed. I yeah. Can see, I can this, see a total TB12 and if, going and if you guys there. And if you guys watched the game today, Tom Brady looked awful in the first half. Hard. So bad. So hard. bad. So bad. You know, um, I had flashbacks to that wild card game from earlier this year where yeah. that Washington defense kind of just held the Bucs in check in most of the game. Yes, I know. So um, I'm not looking forward to playing that game and watching it, honestly, next Monday night. But we'll see how they do. I'm hoping they can stick, you know, stay competitive and try to get a win in Tampa um, in a tough environment. Let's see what this team has. I'm looking forward to watching. Um, and, yeah, no, that's, that's really it for me on football. All right. All right. Giants also looking at – we might have four top ten picks here in New York potentially. I know, with the that Bears. Will with that the Bears be something pick. to talk about come, like, March, April? That'll be a fun conversation. It'll right be now, interesting six, seven, to eight. see. Six, seven, eight is Giants, Jets, Giants, as if the season ended today. Which is crazy, which is absolutely nuts. But yeah. that's, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll All see right, how so it now goes. we will be moving right. on to some basketball. We're going to talk Knicks first. So, um, Knicks, Hornets. Watching that game, Kemba coming out hot against his former team. You know, you thought everybody was rolling. Knicks look great. And then they just fall apart. And this has happened over and over again after starting the season off so hot. You know, I think they won five of their first six, and now they've lost five of their last seven. Uh, they're just not looking good. They're just not playing together. RJ and Randall, both another tough game. I think RJ shot one of ten. Only had two points. Randall, I think he had about 15 points. Uh, missed some free throws at the end. Not that the Knicks were going to win, but just missed three straight free throws when it could have been like a four or five point game, you know, a stop and you're in the game. Uh, he just didn't look right. Just didn't have it. Uh, I'm not hit pushing the panic button, button at all. I mean, they're seven and six still. They're still, I think they're still going to be a top five team in the East. But a, a big question, you know, is obviously we've seen they can't perform at home. And I've noticed that this schedule early on, it's kind of like they're playing the very same teams to start off. And then I guess maybe later on, they're going to play a different batch of teams, basically. Right. So upcoming this week, you know, um, tomorrow night when this episode gets out, it'll be tonight. Uh, we got the Pacers. And then Wednesday, we got the Magic, both at home at the Garden. Now, these are two teams that have given us a little bit of trouble. Obviously, the Magic were one and one. Um, 
the Pacers, I know we lost. Did we play them twice or no? Are we, oh, no. I think just one once. Right. So, you know, one two against these two teams. Pacers, yeah. That you should be playing out, you know? I mean, I think these are two big games that I don't want to say they're, you know, they can't lose games because of how early it is in this season. And you could lose five straight games and be fine. But it's just concerning with how they're playing at home. And their, their schedule starts to get a little tough after this, you know. They got um, five of their next six games are at the Garden. And yeah, you've, not... got, you've got a stretch against two rebuilding teams in Houston and Orlando and a fringe playoff team in Indiana. And then you've got a stretch against uh, five potentially deep playoff teams in Chicago, the Lakers, Phoenix, Atlanta, and Brooklyn. Right. And then those, you know, those six, those six first games, five of them are at the Garden. And obviously, it's, you can't say, oh, you got to win them all, whatever. But the way they've been playing at home, they got to win four of those five games. And obviously, Lakers and Suns, you know, you got to win one of those. It's going to be a tough one. But Lakers and Suns both, you know, they, they're not, like, unbeatable. They haven't looked that great. Especially so, if LeBron's out, yeah. Right. But obviously, you know, it starts one game at a time. You know, it starts, you know, tomorrow night in Indiana. Uh, I don't even know what to say, how to game plan or whatnot. They, they just look flat. Like, they just – they the runs that this team they gives up. I know basketball is a game of runs, but I've never seen a team be up by 10 and in a span of five minutes just be down by, like, six. It is just so bad, the runs that this team gets hit with. And a lot of times, too, it'll be late in games. You know, one crazy thing, crazy stat they were showing, the Knicks um, bench, the plus-minus rating, is some of the best in the league. It's it, it, I think it's a top five. Like The Knicks unit, probably have unquote, a the top, top five three bench in the league, I'd say. It, it, I think Derrick Rose is top five and plus-minus, and the unit yep. itself, I think, is a top five plus-minus unit. So Between, between Derrick Rose, Alec Burks, Taj Gibson, and even Emmanuel Quickly, that bench is just so well it, – it, you could I mean, argue that – Obi. Obi's been Obi, yeah. You could take that bench, and that team, if that was a starting lineup, could probably win like 25 games, 30 games. And that's not – people will say, oh, you're selling the trash. No, 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 no. That is, a, that is your bench. That is your bench. You were doing something right. The only thing with the Knicks is – Really, what it is for me is just the big guys need to produce like the big guys. You know, Randall has got to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, we got to see a little bit more of what we saw last year. Obviously, you know, he's going to have his good stretches. He's going to have his bad stretches. Like any basketball player, basketball is a game of getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know? But Randall is just – just sometimes I watch these games and it just looks like you get to a point where there's no real – thought on offense or anymore it's kind of just uh, let me take a shot all right well i'm not getting the fall here you take some shots mm-hmm. you're not working tonight either let's keep throwing it around yeah the knicks were never knicks were never one of these teams known for you know the three-point ball and especially with Tibbs as their coach they were definitely not known for taking the three ball just chucking it up and you know i talk with you know one of our buddies Derek, all the time and he's just he gets so frustrated just like, why are they shooting so many threes? Just drive to the hoop. Like, RJ, that's what he does. RJ, RJ drives. That's what he does. Yeah, RJ's there's, a there's no mid-range to, guy. He's not a – There's no need to continue guy. to just chuck up these threes. It, it's – I understand they're they're hitting at an okay rate. You know, they were at least at the beginning of the year. They're not completely, like, bricking, shooting 15 20% from three. No, not at all. But on those attempts where you are missing, like, something else could have been developed rather than just chucking up a three. 
And I, I just think that it's everybody wants to kind of just play hero ball. Everybody wants to have that Evan Fournier, you know, opening night overtime type where they yeah. just take off and just can't miss. And it's just it's just hard watching sometimes when they could really make it a run at the game and then they have to literally pull the starters and then your bench comes in down 12 to make it a game. And then, you know, what happened in the night before Charlotte, we saw the bench come back against the Bucks and they ran out of gas. So what did Tibbs do this time? He, he, he played it right. He took them out. They were out of gas. And then the starters came in and couldn't do anything. You know, it, it, it's a tough I call. Have a, I, have an, I have a bit of a controversial take here, and I have an, just an interesting question. It's a little early in the season to really consider this, but I, I want your thoughts on this. Do they need to consider moving D-Rose to the starting one? Like, does that need to be – does Kemba not really fit, like, a Tibbs-style team? That was the one thing that I thought was odd when they brought in Kemba. I liked the Kemba move when they made it, mainly because it was a guy who had tremendous upside uh, at a cost-efficient price. But I just he never seemed like the type of point guard that Tibbs wants running his offense. It just – not much of a defensive guy, and even so, not really much of a slasher, more of a workaround – the field guy so I just I wonder if that's something that might need to be considered at some point I'm gonna say no and the one reason only is because of the spark that Rose gives you from the bench obviously you know you could say that Rose is playing better than Kemba despite you know Kemba did have a good night in Charlotte you know you could argue that Rose is playing better but when the Knicks are home and and Rose checks into the game the, the, the crowd goes absolutely nuts. They love it. So I think yeah. if he starts, it, it's not the same type of energy. It's like, oh, my God, Rose is starting tonight. Awesome. But it, it's not going to give you that same vibe of like, like, yo, look, Rose is coming in. Let's go. Like, like I feel yeah. like it gets people hyped up when Rose checks into the game. I don't think Tibbs is going to change anything. I think Does he need to be the guy out there for the last two minutes, though, then? Like, maybe not start, but do you sub out yeah. Camelot for Rose I, the last, like, two minutes? I, I would roll him out in the last five minutes. But – I think the biggest thing with Tibbs' offense is he's not – he doesn't have his – he doesn't, like, have, like, a five-minute crew, like, set. No. That, that it's, crew, it's that crew is determined on who's playing good, as, as any game should be. You know what I mean? Does that come from not really having, like, a true superstar on this team? Is that really the uh, – is that the genesis of that, or is that just Tibbs? Well, you know, I would say Randall would be out there every single night. I would say Randall's and, the go-to guy, but do you really call him a superstar? I don't want to. I don't want to let my bias as a Knicks fan let me say yes, he's a superstar. But I feel like it's hard to say that he's at least not close. You know, I I he's that he's that you'd you'd call him that next echelon, more of that, uh, more of that great like okay one, really good two, amazing three type guy. I think he's more than a three, no doubt. I mean, he's not Kevin Durant. He's he's not LeBron James. But he's a guy that can take over and can win you a game. Obviously, in his first year with us, it it was just brutal. He was a turnover machine. He just tried to force everything. So last year, everybody was expecting the same thing out of him. And he really turned his game around. Wasn't the original quote from the Knicks front office that Obi Toppin was supposed to be the Randall replacement? I'm pretty sure wasn't, I believe so. Wasn't that, that the wasn't that the original take from the next front office? And I think that I, I believe was. that was why a lot of people actually decried that pick because it's like really you just you're just bringing in a Randall replacement. 
Right. But now, I mean, now it works pretty well. I mean, Obi's getting 15, 20 minutes a game, depending how the game flow is going. And yeah, and he's been a, a pretty good spark. You know, he still can't shoot the three. I'm still waiting. To, I, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, I don't think I've seen him hit a three like watching the live game. I still don't, I, I still just don't, don't know if you're going to get the full potential of what you want out of Obi Toppin if you're using him in this manner. I'm not going to say it's a bad way to use him. No, Obviously, I, I yeah, agree he's with effective. But I, I just, I always thought that if Toppin was to flourish, Randall couldn't be here. No, you're you're 100% right there. But at this point, when you look at it, what do you want, right? Do you want your guy who you just signed to this big contract? Yeah. Who no, I'm obviously it's almost Randall, consider yeah. is almost up there in that tier of the superstar. Yeah, he's a French Or star, yeah. do you want Obi Toppin, who's still needs to develop, and realistically – He's only about three years younger than Randall. Like Obi Toppin, yeah, he's an old, he's an older rookie. RJ Barrett is, is younger is, than is his Obi third Toppin, season yeah. in the league, and he's like two years younger than Obi Toppin. Yeah, no, I mean, I I've always expected Toppin to be the to be the uh, one of the main pieces in like a knee jerk trade that the Knicks will make in like a year or two to get somebody. I don't know who it's going to be, but it'll be somebody. But I uh, don't want to leave you out of the conversation here, Gav. Uh, any more thoughts on the Knicks? Oh, you muted, but you muted, buddy. He subbed it up pretty, uh, pretty nicely, honestly. But, um, dude, I fit the other day when I was looking at the box score and just kind of keeping tabs on the game. I saw the Knicks were up 34 16 at the first. I saw the stats and I was just like, holy crap, they're having another great game, another breakout game against a playoff, probably a, a playoff caliber team in the Hornets. Um, I was. I was intrigued, obviously, and I turned on the game, and things went to things went things soured basically from the time I started watching. I mean, they played yeah, pretty they terrible. I know. I I guess I should have I should have you know not watched it because Jesus, it was it was bad. Um, but like I said, Monday night they bounced back to they'll play the Pacers at the Garden, and then Wednesday. So a day and a half later, around two days later, they'll play the Magic. Two winnable games. Knicks have to win these games. These are two games against teams that are beneath them, that are not very good, and the Knicks at home have to take care of business. This is where they show um, that, you know, even if they're going through a stretch, we can break it, we can snap it, and uh, get ourselves, you know, some wins here. So that's, that's, that, has to be, that has to be the mindset going forward. You calling it must win this week? Yes, must win, must win. After, especially right. after the stretch that's happened, um, you know, with these losses, they've lost five and seven after starting five and one. I mean, come on, um, we need we need something here. I think the Knicks have to get it done this week for sure. So hopefully, when we regroup later this week, uh, we'll be talking about the Knicks' two game win streak. Hopefully, hundred percent. All right, All right. All right let's you. move. Let's move to Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's much to say about this. Brooklyn is looking like what we thought they were going to be. Um, when we left off last um, last episode, we talked about the Nets and how these next two games, they had to show why they should be in the top three in the East or, uh, you know, in really NBA. why they should be the championship. The champ, yes. Yes. And boy, did they do that. Um, they killed both the Pelicans and the Thunder. Um, their star players proved why, proved their money. They proved their worth. They proved why they're amongst the, if you know amongst the deepest teams in the league, if not the deepest, and what a win! 
what a win, what wins, you know, easy, pretty easy wins. And um, they face a very, very tough Warriors team on Tuesday. Um, a Warriors team. I can't wait that, to see that game. Yes, it's going to be a great game. I'm actually very excited to watch that. That I, should be a lot. It's a Tuesday night, you know, there's not many guys got, I got nothing to do on a Tuesday. So I'm, I'm for sure going to be tuning in. Nets, Warriors. And this is listen. This is they. This is right now the top seed in the West. The Warriors are, um, and, and a playoff. No, Gav, I'm gonna have to ask you to. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to ask you to give me the blow by blow on that one because I will be in the hind center watching Iona take on Hofstra on Tuesday. Really? So okay. I will you... have to uh, off to a two zero start. My New York Gales, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so. Um, so I will have to have you give me some of the blow by blow on that one. Oh, for sure. I, I'm sure Ricky will be watching too. And I, I, and we, yeah, the Knicks aren't on on Tuesday, so I'm sure me and Ricky will be keeping tabs on it. And but yeah, no, the Nets, the guys. Anything else really? Nets. Uh, Ricky, I mean, Australia. Andrew, Patty Mill. Australia. Patty Mills showed up again tonight. Yup. Huh, for that's nine, for sure. Nine of oh from deep. That's that's just holy insane. Jesus, insane like, off the bench, and that's off the bench. That production. Oh my god! I mean, that was such a that was that was a good sign. You know, I it was mean, it was a, I have, I have a perfect friend guy at, to sign. I have a Nets fan friend at college who, for the last few weeks, has been like, I've had to talk him off the ledge from threatening physical violence towards Patty Mills for the amount of shots he takes. But I I hope that this game helped prove him wrong a little bit. I mean, I mean, you can't argue nine of twelve from deep. That, that's that's not very common. You don't argue that. No, no, you really don't. But um, I remember um, uh, last episode we were we were bashing James Harden a bit with the scoring, and we were. I mean, I mean, to be fair, tonight one of eight from three. Uh, everything else, he was fantastic. Right, uh, that's three, what I was going to say. The three point efficiency wasn't there. That was just if, the one. If thing you look there. at that game against the Pelicans, he you know he dropped thirty nine and twelve. He shot six of ten from deep. I, you know, I thought that that, not that he wasn't good, but I thought that that was sort of maybe like a get right type of game for him. Like I said, not that he's not produced, he's averaging like eight and eight, you know, rebounds, assists. No, it's just, he wasn't the James Harden that we were used to, you know, it was a, it was, it was a question of what, what James Harden are we getting? Like, did he ever really recover from that last like spell of couple injuries he dealt with last year and then the time in Houston. But right, exactly. And then he comes out tonight, like you said, he shot one of eight from deep, five of 13 overall. It's, you know, nothing is concerning. I mean, he's still distributing like crazy, you know, 13 assists tonight. You know, he, he he's getting the ball to his teammates. He's, I think he's averaging a double-double now almost, if not, you know, nine assists. Um, this team is, I think it's just insane what these two guys can do together. And, and they're proving they don't even need Kyrie Irving. They don't even need him. That was the question I was going to ask. We're going to be asking this. I know people are like, this question has been beaten to death, but it's going to continue to be a question until the Nets win a title is, does this team need Kyrie or do they need something from Kyrie? Do they need to trade Kyrie to get something back? Like, what is the exact, do you need him at this point? Um, I would say that is still yet to be determined. Let's just keep watching, see how they do. Um, if they continue to play like how they've been playing, maybe, you know, you could start, at, you know, saying that they may not need them. But uh, the, thing the, with Brooklyn, the, though. The, the jury's still out on that one. So here's the thing with Brooklyn, though. We all know their goals lie in the postseason. It does not matter. The regular season means nothing to them at this point, other than getting as probably getting. some. So, old, Andrew, old you still have to play the games. You still of have course, to play you, the of, games. Of course, of course. But we all know what's going to happen is if we get to the postseason. 
and they bow out at any point, if they don't win the chip, it's going to be, and Kyrie doesn't come back, that is going to be all the criticism is going to be on him. It's all going to be, well, if they had Kyrie, that's, that's where it's going to go. Especially and, listen, that, and, and that is something that should be asked. He's a top, he's a top five point guard in the league, you know, and everyone knows how good he is, how skilled he is and the talent he has. And listen, man, if, if he wants to, if he wants to do his own thing with whatever he's got going on, I guess that's on him, but he know he's got to know that he's, you know, he's costing his team a potential championship, a potential, you know, um, top seed. If you're looking at, you know, looking at it now, he, you know, he's aware of these things and listen, if he's that strongest convictions, I don't know what you could really do if you're a Nets fan or, you know, a Nets, uh, Nets, uh, if you're on the Nets, really, if you're a Nets teammate yeah. or whatever, I will keep preaching the Kyrie for Ben Simmons trade, but yeah, two are against that. I'm against it. I think Ben Simmons. Um, I think he stinks, but, but I don't like the trade either. Way. I just I think, the, think, I, think the, I think the fit's too perfect. I, I just think it works way too well to not consider it. Uh, I don't know. I think Ben Simmons is really bad. Um, I don't think he's. You know, he's I'm, I'm a I'm a documented Ben Simmons supporter. Um, he's shown flashes, but I, if to me, if you can't shoot in, if you can't shoot, come on. It's not even the jump shot. It's just score. If the guy is just more aggressive in the paint, if he takes advantage of mismatches, if he's utilized correctly, just get the points it, it, and or work at the line or something. You know, it's, there are guys in the league who don't have great three balls. I mean, LeBron's never had an amazing three ball. Yeah, he can hit it, but he's never had like an amazing one. You have guys like even, DeMontis Sabonis, who have, again, they can hit them, but they don't have great ones. You don't need a great three ball, but you need to be able to score. And you're right. He can't, he he can't really, he can't, yeah, he can't really shoot from, you know, you, for his position, for his position, he needs to be able to shoot a mid range shot. Right. Which is my opinion. Which is why I think if you put him on the nets where he doesn't have to be the point guard, where James Harden can do a lot of those things, you put Ben at like the four. I, that just seems like too good of a thing to pass up. Imagine him being a pick and roll partner for Harden and imagine him working with Durant. I don't know. I listen, I, I don't know. I I'm still probably against it. We'll see what, what goes on with those two, but that's really it for, for that as yep. far as now. And I think that's it for the Nets this week. Rick, you want to wrap us up? Um, I got really nothing more other than just Durant keeps dominating, man. Uh, this guy's insane. I'm really looking forward to Tuesday night. That's going to be an awesome game. All right. Yeah, it so, will. Certainly will we'll, be. We'll all check right. in Wednesday night, boys. All right. I think that's going to do it. Thank you all very much for listening. This is Grand Central Sports signing off.